my goodness. I don't know about y'all, but I'm just sitting in my seat, and today was just so powerful, just the tradition and the liturgy and, and my sister leading us in worship in, in her native tongue. Come on. I thought the roof was going to go off in this place. Come on. We serve the God of all nations, the God of all creation, and, and hearing about the impact we're making in other nations, I am so grateful to be a part of Victory Church. Amen. And uh, hey, real quick, I do want to take a minute and give a shout out. We have friends and family joining us all the way from Jamaica online, Nigeria, and Brazil. What up, y'all? Come on, y'all, let them know. They are welcome and love. Also, my, my baby boy, my middle son, Legend, he's sick at home right now. So he said, Daddy, I need you to shout me out. So Legend, I see you, son. I'm praying for you. I love you. Don't drive your mama crazy, all right? That's all. That's all yeah, let me keep moving. Um, so I'm excited to uh, continue today in a series that we've been in titled Anchored. And I don't know if you guys have been tuned in and listening and, and following along. If you have not, I encourage you to go back and watch the previous three messages. Uh, week one, Pastor Johnson uh, shared a message about being anchored in Jesus. Come on, how many of you know we're not anchored to this world? We're anchored to Jesus. The second week, uh, Pastor Johnson also touched on being anchored in truth. That is in God's word. Come on, you know the Bible says that the flowers will fade and the grass will wither, but the word of God will remain forever. And then just last week, Pastor Dennis, our founding pastor, preached a message on the fear of the Lord. And I'm going to tell y'all, I got saved all over again last week. If y'all missed the message last week, you need to go pull it up. But uh, I, I just love this imagery. I love this imagery of an anchor because an anchor, to me, it represents strength. And the reality is that there is strength in reliance upon Jesus. There is strength in reliance upon God's word. And there is reliance uh, and there's strength in, in having a reverent posture of submission to the Lord. But I've also come to discover in the years that I've walked with the Lord that there is also power. I've learned that there is also strength in living a life of gratitude. I'm going to say it one more time for my people in the back. I said that there is strength in living a life from a posture of gratitude. Right? Uh, the early Christian author, William Arthur, he, he, he's known as saying this. He said that gratitude can transform common days into thanksgivings. Gratitude can turn routine jobs into joy, and it can change ordinary opportunities into blessings. And I believe today that it's a posture of gratitude that God has called us to live from as his sons and daughters in the earth. And so I'm just curious today. I know that Thanksgiving went down. I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Did y'all have a good Thanksgiving? If you did, just make some noise. I did. I ate a lot. I'm going to make a blanket statement right now. Today is the last day you're going to eat them leftovers, okay? <laughs> we got to move on, Victory. We got to keep it moving. Right? So I, I love Thanksgiving, but man, the day after Thanksgiving, I'm excited because Christmas is right around the corner. In fact, we're setting up the Christmas tree this afternoon, and I'm excited about it. I don't want to tear it down till March of next year. I'm that guy. And so I, I'm just curious. I want to throw this out there. Has anyone here ever received a Christmas gift where you actually got what you wanted? You remember that feeling? 
Like, when, I'm not talking about some, like, a hand-me-down. I ain't talking about that auntie that's always giving you the pair of pajamas every single year. I'm not even talking about your kids when they come and they give you the little thing they made in preschool. I'm like, I don't want that. I want money. <laughs> Joking. But no, that feeling whenever you actually desire something and you open up the box and it's there. I remember two gifts that I received like that when I was a child. The first one, it was in 1990. And, and, and some of y'all, so, some of my 80s babies, you're going to remember this moment because maybe you shared this same moment. I opened up, I got a Nintendo, y'all. Woo, come on, somebody. Y'all remember the Nintendo? All my Gen Z's like, a what? <laughs> a Nintendo, all right? Like, forget all the Fortnite and Call of Duty. Y'all got too many buttons on them controllers now. Back then, it was up, down, right, left, A and B. That's it. It was not a game, Ewan. I remember staying up late, like sneaking out of bed to play duck hunt. I mean, my mama would get up. What are you doing, son? Pew, pew. I ain't playing with these ducks, mama. These ducks can get it. I'll never forget the excitement that I felt. And then also, I remember, let me see, I think it was 1994. I was going through my little 90s R&B phase. Come on, I was all about some Jodeci, Boys to Men, Drew Hill, right? And all I wanted was a gold chain. <laughs> Woo! Oh, you couldn't tell me nothing. That's all I want. I wanted my gold chain. Side, side note, I don't know why they got my brother dressed like an apostolic bishop about three months <laughs> out from retirement. Ask my mom and think, why did you dress us like that? And I can't even laugh at my brother because she got me out here looking like The Rock back in 1994. I don't know if y'all seen. You weren't supposed to laugh that hard. Can I tell you something? As a child, I was very thankful for those gifts. I was, I was thankful. But as I look back, I don't know if I can honestly say that I was grateful. Some of us here today, you may say, well, Kervin, isn't thankfulness, isn't thankfulness and great, you know, gratefulness and gratitude, isn't it the same thing? And the answer to that question is no. In fact, there is a stark difference between thankfulness and gratitude. You see, thankfulness is mostly a feeling. Thankfulness is a feeling that you get internally whenever you receive something that you want or that you did not expect. Thankfulness, uh, it's, 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 it, it comes and it goes based upon the situation and circumstance around you. But gratitude, however, is whenever that internal feeling of thankfulness triggers an external action that expresses your thanks in a tangible way. Are y'all with me this morning? We find this to be true in Luke chapter 17, we find this story of 10 lepers that encountered the power of Jesus. If I can jump right in, Luke chapter 17, starting at verse 11, the Bible says, as Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered a village there, 10 men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And he looked at them and said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. And one of them, somebody say just one. 
And one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. And he fell to the ground at the feet of Jesus, thanking him for what he had done. And isn't it funny? The Bible says that this man just so happened to be a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal 10 men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go, for your faith has healed you. There's this image that I want you guys just to look at. I, I love imagery. There's this image of these 10 lepers. And the crazy thing about these 10 men is that although all 10 were healed, nine of them were thankful, but only one was grateful. Come on, nine of them were touched by the healer's hand, but sadly only one wanted to touch the healer's heart. Can I tell you today, church, that there is nobody on the face of this earth who should be filled with more gratitude in their heart than those of us who have been raised up to newness of life in Christ Jesus. Come on. If you've been healed, if you've been set free and delivered, there should be gratitude overflowing in our hearts. So today, I want us to take a deep dive into what it's going to take for you and I to live lives that are anchored in gratitude. Come on, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. If you're ready, say, let's get it. Paul wrote this letter to the church in Philippi. Chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, he gave this instruction to the church there. He said, always be full of joy in the Lord. And I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. So don't worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Come on, tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. He goes on to say that his peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. He says, now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. He says, I want you to fix your thoughts on what is true, on what is honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then, somebody say then. He said, then the God of peace will be with you. Can I tell you that passage is loaded with truth. That passage is so rich. And what's crazy to believe is that Paul, when he wrote this church, when he wrote this letter to the church in Philippi, he was actually imprisoned. He was in chains for the sake of the gospel, and yet he was instructing his brothers and sisters in the faith to live lives of gratitude, to live their lives in constant and consistent awareness of the goodness of God. And if you notice, there's a very profound progression that was found in the first half of this passage, and I want us to dive into the word today as I share with you what I like to call Three steps to living a life anchored in gratitude. Come on, if you're taking notes, write down this first thought. 
The first step to living a life anchored in gratitude is embracing joy. Embracing joy. Paul said in verse 4, he said, always be full of joy. Be full of joy in the Lord. And he said it again, rejoice. You see, the problem with that is that many of us, whenever we hear that, that, that statement, we misinterpret it as a command to be happy all the time. But can I tell you something? In the same way that there's a difference between thankfulness and gratitude, there is also a similar difference between joy and happiness. You see, happiness is momentary, whereas joy remains. Look, happiness will come and go, but joy can remain. Happiness is a fleeting emotion, but joy, on the other hand, is the fruit of the Spirit. It's the gift of God given to the believers. Happiness reacts to circumstances, but joy, on the other hand, is an anchor that transcends difficulty. You know, if I could boil it all down into one point, I would put it like this. Happiness is anchored to circumstance, but baby, joy is anchored to truth. And that truth is that although situations and circumstances may change, we serve a God whose character is unchanging. He is unwavering. And it's that truth that when we live there, it's that truth and that awareness That truth is what fuels the joy-filled life that God has called us to live in gratitude to the God that we love so much. You may not realize it, but this idea of joy, this this instruction that Paul gave for us to live a joy-filled life, it is absolutely foundational to the spiritual formation of the believer. So much so that Paul took this same message, this same word that he gave to the church in Philippi, he shared it almost verbatim to the Thessalonian church. In his first letter, chapter 5, verse 16, look at what Paul says. He says, always be joyful. He says, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. Can I ask you a question? Did Paul say be joyful in the good circumstances? <laughs> no, Paul didn't say be joyful in, 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 in some circumstances. He didn't say be joyful just whenever the sun is shining and you're on the top of the mountain. No, Paul said in all circumstances be joyful and be thankful. How many of you know joy is a choice? You can choose to be joyful. Circumstances are going to change. Seasons are going to change. People are going to make promises to you today and break those promises quicker than you can snap your finger. I couldn't even do it quick enough. I mean, (laughs) things will change. But we as sons and daughters of the living God, we have the ability and the freedom and the privilege of choosing joy on a daily basis. It's God's will for those of us who are his children to live lives of gratitude no matter what is going on around them. You may be here today or maybe joining us online and you may say, well, Curve, bro, you don't know what I'm going through. I was given a bad report from the doctor. My marriage is really struggling. 
I've been praying for this child to, to come home. I, I, I hate my job. My boss is horrible. Or maybe I, I, I just can't find a job at all. Can I just say to you, church, listen, I feel you. Because what I'm not saying today is that you should live in denial about the difficult things in life. No, no. In fact, if, you, if you're taking notes, write this down. Joy does not downplay or deny difficulty in life. Joy does not downplay or deny the difficulty in life. Can I tell you all, that's not healthy. It's not healthy to walk around acting as if there are not trials and hardships and, and in hard situations around every corner. Listen, Jesus himself said that it rains on the just as well as on the unjust. Jesus told his disciples, don't be surprised when the world comes against you. He said that in this life, there will be troubles. There will be challenges. Listen, that's why anybody that preaches a message all about prosperity and not about pain, baby, they preaching the wrong Jesus. That's Jesus. That ain't Jesus. Come on. Jesus never said that this journey was going to be easy. I mean, in fact, just so I can double down on this point, look at King David in Scripture. King David is a man of God that was struggling through it. We would oftentimes see King David running to God and crying out to God when he was in trouble, but yet he also exuded joy and he acknowledged the goodness and the faithfulness of God time and time again. Come on, y'all read the Psalms, right? My boy David was going through it. I mean, there were times he'd have his harp out just singing songs of worship to the Lord. As the deer panted for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. I ain't no singer, so don't judge me. But David would have his harp out singing and worshiping the Lord in one chapter. You flip the next page, David just like, Lord, you can kill them all. I don't even care. For I, I ain't even going to hold you. I don't like none of them. Right? David went through it. David was, was up and down. He went to God with his concerns over the hardships, but he also knew that no matter what was going on around him, he knew that God was good. And can I tell you something? If you looked at your life and you extracted all the highs and all the lows and put them in one book, you would look just as crazy as David. <laughs> right? Can I tell you something? The beautiful thing about David, call him what you may, view him however you desire, but David understood that the joy of the Lord was his strength. David, listen to me, David had mastered the art of having his emotions, but not allowing his emotions to have him. And if there's anybody in scripture that you and I can relate to, it's David. Why? Because David had been through some stuff. David had been through some challenging seasons. David had been through seasons of being overlooked and passed over. Come on, David was surrounded by haters. He felt the shame of adultery. He was found guilty of murder. He knew the pain of losing a child. He felt the betrayal of those that he loved. 
He also tasted the fruit of his own foolish decisions. And though he had walked many, many miles through, 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 through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm moved by the faith that David had because at the end of his life, he could attest to the goodness of God. He wrote in his later years that I have been a young man, but now I am old. And throughout it all, I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor have have I seen the seed begging for bread? And I don't know who needs to hear this today, but even whatever the doctor's report may have said, God is still good. I know your marriage may be on the fringes, but God is still good. I know they hurt you. I know they abandoned you, but can I tell you something? God is still good. And as long as there's breath in your body, there should be joy in your heart. Come on and give God a shout of praise in this place if you're grateful. Hallelujah. If there's breath in your body, baby, there should be joy in your heart. Which brings me to the next thought. If you want to live a life that is anchored in gratitude, not only should we be a people who embrace joy, we should be a people who express praise. I'm going to go ahead and give you the disclaimer right now. We're about to raise the roof off of this place before I'm done this morning. Because there's a reason. There's a reason why Psalm 104 says that we are to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Before we bring any petition to God, there's a reason why the word says that we're supposed to step into his courts with praise on our lips. Come on, there's a reason why God sent the worshipers ahead of the army to bring down the walls of Jericho. There is a reason why praise was the weapon that brought the walls down. There is a reason why Psalm 22 verse 3 says that God literally inhabits the praises of his people. There is a reason why praise was the key that freed Paul and Silas whenever they were locked in prison in Acts chapter 16. Listen to me. There is power in your praise. There's power. In your praise, David put it like this. You won't see it up on the screen, but Psalm chapter 34, David praised God saying, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. For I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all of my fears. Aren't you thankful today? You serve a God that hears you. <laughs> Hallelujah. And if you want to live a life that is anchored in gratitude, can I tell you that living a life expressing and offering praise to God is a major key. Now, let me say this. God is not instructing us to bring him praise because he's just some praise-hungry God. Let me make that, let me make this very, very plain. The Bible says that creation itself declares the glory of God. <laughs> Jesus said that if you be quiet, that the very rocks, Can I tell you something? 
Those leaves outside on the trees and the oceans and the tide that comes in and out and the sun that rises and sets with every breath that you breathe, all of it is a testament to the goodness of God. My God, I think in this moment, I think of the the atheist, whether ignorant or arrogant, with the very breath that he breathed to deny the existence of God, that very breath is a testament to God's mercy. Look, like my grandmama used to say, God is good all by himself. (laughs) Right? Look, God is going to get his glory regardless. Period. He is going to get his glory regardless. But I believe that you and I have been instructed to bring praise and honor to God because of what it does on the inside of us. You see, when you live a life of gratitude, it changes your perception. It changes your perspective of who God is. Can I tell you something? There is power in your praise, but how many of you know that there's levels to the practice of praise? Can I break it down real quick, Monty? There's levels to this practice of praise. And what I mean by that is that most of us in this room and most of us online, we don't have a problem praising God for what he's already done. Right? We turn on the Grammys all the time and we see artists up there. Well, first, I want to give thanks to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You're like, bro, weren't you just in the music video doing all that? Right? Even the unbeliever can look back and see blessing and see the goodness of God and thank God for that. Listen, that's easy. That's level one. But whenever you have gratitude for what you've seen God do, do, man, it awakens a faith and it gives us confidence and hope for what he has yet to do. Come on, I'm talking to believers in this place who will say, if he's been faithful, he will be faithful. Come on, are there any believers in this place that would say, listen, God, if you did it then, I have faith to believe that you can do it again. Come on, look at your neighbor, say there's levels to it. But catch this. Whenever we choose to embrace joy and express praise, Paul then goes on to say in verse 7, he says, then you will experience God's peace. Peace that exceeds anything that we could understand. He says that his peace will guard your hearts and it will guard your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. As you embrace joy, and as you and I live lives of consistently being gratitude and offering praise and thanksgiving to God, the third step to living a life anchored in gratitude is not really a step at all. It's actually the byproduct of gratitude. When you embrace joy and you express praise, you will then experience peace. And I don't know about you, but I could use some peace in my own life. I can use some peace in my situation. The Bible says this peace that God grants his sons and daughters, it's not any old peace. It's not the kind of peace that the world gives and takes away. Paul says that it's a perfect peace that exceeds anything that we can understand. I like to call it crazy peace, right? There's one translation that says, this peace transcends understanding. That means that the peace that God is able to provide for you, young man, 
It's peace that will calm your soul even if you don't understand the situation you're in. It's bigger than what you're facing. It's bigger than the storm that you're in. But for me to properly unpack this idea of perfect peace, y'all gonna have to bear with me for a minute. I'm gonna have to pump the brakes and, and slightly reverse back into my last point. Because I talked about the power of expressing praise. And I told you, I, t- I told you, we said that there are levels to the practice of praise. Again, it's easy to praise God for what he's done, right? And for those of us who have been walking with God for any amount of time, we know that it's our proper response to believe God and to praise him even for what he has yet to do. But can I tell you today, the true mark of the believer whose heart is rooted and anchored in gratitude, we know that we just don't praise God for what he's done. Come on, we're thankful for every mountain that he's moved. We're thankful for every seed that he's he's split. We're thankful for every disease that he's healed. But we don't just thank God for what he's done. The true believer whose life is anchored in gratitude, we don't just thank God for what he's yet to do. Listen, I have dreams and aspirations for my life and for my children. There are desires, there are things that I have laid at the altar at the foot of the cross right now, and I'm believing God to come through. But the heart and the life of one who is rooted in gratitude, we don't thank God for what he's done. We don't only thank God for what he's going to do. No. No, we lift our hands, and we lift our voice, and we shout unto God, not for what he can do, Not for what he's done, but for who he is. Come on, I said for who he is. For who he is. Because baby, when you live in that space, come on, when you live in the space of revelation of who God is, regardless of what, listen, the Bible says that my life is a vapor. It's here today, it's gone the next moment. In light of the meta-narrative gospel, the movement of the kingdom of God that has been progressing violently for centuries and eons before there was breath in my body. Listen, I play a small part in the narrative of the gospel. So who am I to base God's goodness on a fleeting moment that's here today and gone the next moment? Oh, no. No, 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 Victory. I don't know about you, but I refuse to allow the expression of my praise to be tied to, 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 be tied to just an experience. I refuse for my praise to be contingent upon a promise. If you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, then you know that no matter what's going on around you, you know he's good. And when you live in that space, when you live in that space, come on, am I talking to someone today? I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to look above the storm. Because even above the storm, the sun's still shining. I'm saying whenever you look above the storm and when you live your life in the constant and consistent awareness of the intrinsic goodness of God, that's where you find the peace for your soul. 
when I'm talking about the peace that led Esther to say, if I perish, I perish. Perfect peace. I'm talking about the peace that led Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to look a pagan king in his face and say, I believe that my God is powerful to deliver me. I believe that he will. But baby, even if he does not, even if he does not, even if he doesn't show up the way I want him to, when I want him to, how I want him to, I'm not bowing down. I'm not bowing down. What is that? That's perfect peace. That's perfect peace. It exceeds anything that you could understand, anything you could imagine. The peace of God is available to those of us who are anchored in gratitude. I heard the story of this little lady. She's a widow. She's an older lady. And every morning she would get up, she'd make her coffee, and she'd go step out on her front porch. And she'd sit her coffee down, and she'd lift up her hands to heaven. And she would say these words, Oh God, I thank you. Oh God, I glorify you. For you are good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, Grandma, she means that second Hallelujah. She would do this every single day, every morning she would do this. So one day, one year, a neighbor moved in, a single guy. He was an atheist, hated, could not stand religion, did not believe there was a God. And he would also get up in the morning and sit on his porch with his coffee. He got so annoyed at this little widow coming out every morning, disrupting his routine. Every morning, oh, God, I praise you. God, I glorify you, for you are good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Very good. So this little atheist guy, one morning he got sick and tired of it. He stood up after she said her bit, and he said, there is no God. He sat back down, and this went on for months and months and months. Every single morning, this lady would get up, walk out with her coffee. She would look over at him. Oh, God, I praise you. I glorify you. For you are good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And every day, this man would yell, there is no God. But then one day, he's sitting on his porch. And he's just waiting in spite. He's waiting for it to come out. One morning she walks out. It's a winter. And this little widow had come, come, come across some hard times. She walks out to her front porch. And her whole posture is just, you could tell she's just a little beat down. Come on, anyone ever been in a season where, where you, you just feel a little heavy? She walks out. She says, oh God, I praise you. And I glorify you. For you are good. But I sure am hungry. And Lord, I don't have many groceries in this house. But I believe that you can make a way where there seems to be no way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the little atheist neighbor heard everything. He said to himself, I'm going to fix her. 
Later that night, he goes to the grocery store. He buys eggs, bacon, ham, lettuce, juice, coffee, bread. He buys four big old bags of groceries. He said, I'm going to show her. So the next morning, he gets up extra early. He takes the groceries over to her front yard. And he sits those groceries right there on her front porch. And he hides behind the hedges, waiting on this old lady to step out and see those groceries. He was just waiting for this moment. And sure enough, like clockwork, the door opens up, the screen door opens up. She walks out with her coffee. And when she sees those groceries on her front porch, she sits her coffee down. She lifts her hands to heaven. She said, God did it. God did it. God did it. God, you did it. God, <laughs> God you did it. God did it. Woo. And the little atheist guy jumps out from the bushes. Aha! I got you. God didn't do a thing. He didn't provide those groceries. I bought those groceries with my own money, and I brought them and put them on your porch. There is no God. She looked at him. She said, God did it. God did it. God did it. <laughs> Hold up. Listen, he got agitated. He began scratching his head. He said, no. Woman, are you crazy? Your God didn't do anything. I bought those groceries. I put them on your steps. I'm the one. There is no God. Your God didn't do anything. <laughs> she looked at him. She said, God did it. God did it. And Lord, you made the devil pay for it. Come on, somebody. Is there anyone in this place who has gratitude in your heart? That no matter what you've been through, no matter what mountain is in front of you, you know that your God is able. You know that your God is good. You know that he's a healer. He is a deliverer. Come on, give God a shout of praise in this place if you love him. Me hallelujah. 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 Come on, stay standing on your feet. Just stay right where you're at. Stay right where you're at. Listen to me. The Bible says that God will turn everything around for good. Listen, what the enemy tried to use to take you out, God will use to take you up, baby. Ha! And I don't know. I don't know what you brought with you here today. I know that during the holidays, there's sometimes deep-rooted pain and trauma and things that just come up. And I don't know what's heavy on your heart, but I do know this much, that regardless of what you may be facing, you woke up this morning. I know that there's breath in your body. Come on, I know that for some of you, 2020 almost took you out, but by the grace of God, you're here and you're in your right mind. Come on, I, I, I know that you're loved by God. I know that you're seen by God. I know that you matter to the Lord. Crystal, what'd you say on Instagram, sis? You said the Bible doesn't say that God counts the numbers, uh, the hairs on your head, that the hairs on your head are numbered. 
He cares about the things that matter to you. He is actively involved. He is good. And as long as there is breath in our body, there should be a praise in our mouth. But watch this. But the crazy part is that even if I am sick, if I were to drop dead this very moment, if everything that I know and that I hold dear was stripped away like Job, guess what? God is still good. He's still good. He's still good. So whether you're thriving or barely surviving, there is no temporal circumstance that could ever trump or invalidate the intrinsic goodness of God. Intrinsic, that means that it's, it's, it's not up for negotiation. His goodness is not based upon your situation. Don't get me wrong. I pray and I believe God for miracles. I pray and I believe him for breakthrough. Come on. He is consistently always healing my body and opening up new doors. And I'm thankful for it. But at the end of the day, it is his nature to be good. He is good. Come hell or high water. Mountaintop or valley. You've got a reason to praise. And if you don't, Jesus said the rocks will do it for you. But like my grandmama used to tell me, you um, baby, I ain't going to sit back and let a rock cry out for me. <laughs> no. Our proper response to his goodness should simply be a heart that's full of gratitude. So all across this room right now, with every head bowed, every, every eye closed, I, I want to just take a minute right now. No one's looking around. The worship team is going to lead us in a song in just a moment. One of my favorite songs that's so fitting for this moment. But I want you to take just a moment to take a mental inventory right now. I want you just to, in your own mind, in your heart, I want you to just to make a short list of a few things that you're grateful for. Just a few things. Don't zone out. Think about it. What's something today that you're grateful for? I heard someone in the band say, my mama. That's, I'm, I'm thank, I thank God for my mama too. What are you thankful for? Now, right now, I want you just to lift your hands to heaven right where you're at. And we want to take just a moment. As we wrap up this time together, I want to suggest with hearts of gratitude. In fact, I don't even want to pray over you. Come on, out of your own mouth right now, if you out of your own mouth, can we just corporately begin to open up our mouths and just thank God? Come on, can we fill this room with thanksgiving? Come on, can we fill the atmosphere with praise? Can we fill this room with awe and wonder? Can we fill this room with gratitude? Lord, we love you and we thank you, God. Lord, not just for all that you've done, not just for the family and the loved ones that we have. Lord, not just for the job that we have, not just for material things, Lord. We are grateful for the blessings and the benefits. But Lord, we take a moment to just thank you for who you are. We thank you, Lord, for the fact that you are not removed from your people, that you are actively engaged, that you know us by name, 
that your heart is kind towards us, that you're patient, that you're long-suffering towards us. Lord, we are thankful today for who you are. And Lord, where, where words may fall short, my prayer today, God, as we leave this place, is that our hearts and that our lives will exude a joy that will make your name famous in the earth. That when people see us, and they're aware of the circumstances we're going through. I pray that they would see this crazy peace that doesn't make sense. And I pray that the joy in my life will draw men and women unto the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Come on, if that's your desire today, why don't you open up your mouth and give God a shout of praise even right now. Hallelujah.